it's another big game as well. You know? It's exciting. Um, me, I think I have fun tonight as well, though. Um, I, I have fun where you know, teams punches in the mouth and you know, having the chance to answer back. This is so fun to me. Um, that's what I look forward to. You know, it's about time I came ready. You know, put a little butt whooping on us and let us go back in the lab and you know, uh, find, figure out what we need to do. You know, make shots during games and how how we you know adjust. Love DeAndre Ayton, but huh? I had to listen to that four <laughs> times. What? Because like he couldn't be saying that it was fun, and he looks forward to that. But he did. He said it's fun several times. It was fun to get your butt whooped like that, so you can get back in the lab. Look, it was a butt whooping. Get back in the lab, but there was nothing fun about that last night for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, it was a game it, it, to have a game like that against any opponent in the league would get glazed over. When you have that game against the Dallas Mavericks at this point in the season, it gets magnified. That was, that was fun. That's how you should play. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking of. Paul Goldschmidt and I remember. I don't remember the details of that game. It was just a. I remember it, it being a, a brutal loss. It in was some an way. extra innings loss. It yeah. was really painful. It was a great baseball game. The Diamondbacks lost it, but uh, Paul Goldschmidt was all chipper after. I that guess. was fun. Yeah. Now you can't. We talked about it earlier, Vinny. You, you can't. Uh, you can't circle a game on the calendar. And then get your butt kicked from the get go, and then and not have it sting a little more. Yeah, obviously it's not fun. Now, as much as you don't want to backtrack on that, you do have to put it in perspective. It's a game on a Monday night in December, and you're down a bunch of key guys. So you can't night of a back to back. Well, yeah. So, but you you don't want to downplay it too much because there were some there were some red flags there because they still can't figure out how to defend this team but at the same time you got to remember okay that's a shorthanded suns team without two pretty key starters yes. in Chris Paul and Cam Johnson so you don't want to say oh oh my gosh the the, the, the suns can't beat the mavs and what are we going to do but at the other side of the coin is it was really it was disheartening to see this team get out of the gate like that and be almost non-competitive and not be able to finish shots at the rim and for Devin Booker not to score a point in his you know his early MVP showdown against Luka Doncic and for Luka to be clearly the best player on the court last night Booker to go scoreless in the first quarter for the first time in 202 games and for the game essentially to be over after one quarter yeah, was, all that stuff was extremely disappointing and disheartening 18 point deficit it after one quarter. They lose by 19. There was never any run by the Suns. They got as close as 16. That does not qualify as a run. And a lot of people after a game like that will be in the either-or camp. Either it's a big deal or it's not a big deal. Um, why can't it be both? Why can't it be, alright, it's just one of 82 and, and considering all the factors that the Suns were against, you know, short-handed, back-to-backs, three games and four nights uh, before you go home, um, yeah, you can, you can certainly make a case that that's a loss, but when, when I think you're right on the money, when you talk about the importance of a game and going up against a team that embarrassed you on your home floor in a game seven situation, just months later, and you got two guys that are playing at MVP levels and, and Luka Doncic for Dallas and Devin Booker for the Suns. And one of those MVP candidates showed up. Luka Doncic did what he does. He played his game last night. Devin Booker was unrecognizable. 11 points, 4 of 13 shooting. It was, again, it was one of those nights where just nothing was falling. Campaign talked about that after the game, too. I feel like we got some looks. I feel like we had a lot of uh, uh, open 
and threes that we normally hit, and that they just didn't go in tonight. Feel um, so like we got to everything we wanted to get to. Honestly, that just a lid on that goal down there, right. and every little bobble in and out that they got it dropped in. So right. it was just one night. But here's where it is, at least to a degree, somewhat concerning. Because of the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks offense looks unstoppable against the Suns. And they know how to defend the Suns. And it looks like a very clear tactical advantage on the sidelines. Right. Jason Kidd versus Monty Williams now looks one-sided. Right, but they were 11-11 and 11 coming in. So clearly somebody knows how to beat that team. Yes. And clearly they're, 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 you know, they're not the 86 Celtics, for crying out loud. Um, but if you, I mean, look at Game 7. The, they came out and blitzed them. The, the Suns couldn't do anything. Game one of the of the season, the Mavericks came out and blitzed them, and then they collapsed in a crazy, the crazy comeback victory. Same thing. Third game in a row, they came out and blitzed them and totally outscored them by like twenty in the first quarter. I don't understand how they didn't make any adjustments on how to. What to do with Luca? What to do with that offense? There's no, not I, much no, you I, can I know to do with Luca. It's a problem. Listen, I'm not saying it's not a problem. I, I'm just saying I think. Small picture, it, it's it sucked last night, and they, and it, it's disappointing. And I'll, I'll have more on that in a second. I think big picture, it's not that big of a deal because it, it's December and you're missing Chris Paul and Cam Johnson, and you haven't done anything with Crowder yet, and see what he can bring into the into the fold. And you don't have Tory Craig, and you had to start Ish Wainwright, uh, who is really not even part of the regular rotation, let alone a starter. So th- th- from that standpoint, you know I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But you know, s- small picture, yeah. Here's the other thing, Vinny. They've been buying time with Chris Paul's injury. They were winning games. Chris Paul was getting rest. They were keeping Miles off the odometer mm-hmm. with an eye towards the playoffs, keeping Chris Paul fresh and healthy. You wonder now, after a bit of a wake-up call against the Dallas Mavericks, if all of a sudden, like, all right, Chris, foot good? <laughs> Celtics in town on Wednesday? It's time. Get back out on the court tomorrow night. I'm not saying he's going to play, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Yeah. Uh, Monty Williams was asked about that uh, last night about not only Chris Paul, but Torrey Craig. Could they be back against the Celtics? We hope. We don't know yet, and I don't want to put anything on that, but we hope that those guys are getting closer. Are they going to play? I don't know. You know, I can't even speculate on that right now. Um, but we'll find out more, get more information as we head home and, and um, evaluate everything. I think the Suns know whether or not Chris Paul is going to play. Um, there might be something to your point. Hey, we just we just got our heads handed to us, and we got the best team in the NBA record-wise coming yeah. in. Uh, we'd like to avoid that again if possible. Are you ready to go? But it also might just line up calendar-wise. Hey, he's missed 14 games with what has been described publicly as heel soreness. That's a long time. It's a long time. Not since T.J. Warren. <laughs> Didn't he have like a sore foot or something? And he missed like 30 games. He missed like three seasons. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he's still oh, I don't right? know if he's come back yet. Yeah, I, I think he's just on he the has. verge of coming back for the Nets. Well, didn't Eric Bledsoe sit down for like well, 35 that games? That was sore feelings. That, that was, we're shutting him down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean... I think it's about time to get Chris Paul back and see what, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, if he's... It was a good run for campaign. I think his confidence has got to be high after the way he played, pressed into the starting starting lineup. I think there was another bright spot, not just last night, but the recent play of Josh Okogie off the bench. 
He's carving. And they talked about it on the broadcast last night with K. Ray and Eddie Johnson. He's carving out minutes for him, some meaningful minutes for himself because of what he does defensively. But he's also picked it up a little bit offensively. And Josh Okogie's never going to be a 20-point scorer in this league. But if he can hit the occasional open three and score you some buckets, that's gravy because of the intensity he brings defensively, what he can do rebounding-wise at his size. I like what I see from Josh Okogie right now. Yeah, listen, they they won they won seven out of their last eight. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't beat a bunch of tomato cans. I mean, they, 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 they had a jazz win. Now, the Kings are a decent team. But you know they had some wins against the Spurs and the Bulls mm-hmm. and the Pistons and the and the then the Knicks. So they 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 had some they had some easy ones yeah. in there. And now it's getting a little tougher. Oh, it's a lot tougher. Maybe it's time now that Chris Paul gets back out on the court and start playing some ball. It's time for character counts presented by Parker and Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Eleven year NFL veteran Kelvin Beecham wants to be known as more than a football player. He wants to be known as someone who gives back to the community. And this week. Calvin spent some time with Champion School South Mountain where he handed out backpacks, headset microphones, and other audio equipment to the 500 kids in attendance. Beecham also led two separate assemblies of full kids stressing the importance of science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Uh, Beecham said, quote, I'm a blue-collar guy and at the same time realize where this world is going. I want the young people to realize, yes, it's great to play football. It's great to play basketball. All those things are great, but at the end of the day, your education is the most important thing. Well done, Kelvin Beecham. Uh, That is Character Counts. It's presented by Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. And we're looking for our next student-athlete to win a $10,000 scholarship from Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Just text CHARACTER to 620-620 to nominate a student today. Coming up next, coming down the home stretch in the NFL, we know who the contenders are. Who are the MVP candidates? We'll give you our list next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings with Tim Ring in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Heading into week 14 of the NFL season for the Arizona Cardinals. That means a Monday night game against the New England Patriots. We'll have more uh, preview of that game as the week goes on here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Tim Ring in for a Bick all week as Bick continues his vacation. He'll be back on Monday in time for that game. Um, like we've we've had a lot of talk about the, the contenders. Um, and I think there's even some mystery there when you talk about teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a first place team that's, you know, if they hold on, they're going to get a home playoff game. So there's some uncertainty. The playoff pictures are still muddy. Um, the MVP picture, I think, is also a very muddy one. Do you know? I do. Uh, right. We know the MVP gets awarded to a quarterback. It's a quarterback award. Let's face it. Uh, it's been a long time since anybody won. I think Adrian Peterson was the last non-quarterback to win it in 2009. Um, so the quarterbacks are at the top of the list, but I think it's a shorter list of quarterbacks to be considered. I would love to get your thoughts on it and maybe your your, your pecking order on, I, on how you see it. I know the three that are going to be considered, yes, unless unless Joey B explodes in December, which mm-hmm. I guess is possible mm-hmm. to kind of stick his head in there. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, my pecking order changed this, this past Sunday. Yes, okay. it did. Okay, now it's still tight. And I think it's, I think it still could change, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's going to depend on what happens, obviously, in December. Do you have January. Ronnie McAda on the list? He is. <laughs> He's third. See, that's a callback to yesterday's show. <laughs> you always got to be listening. You yeah, always have to be listening. The password is McAda. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, give me your pecking order. I'm going to start, I'm going to go bottom to top. Would that be fun? You got five or three? I got three. Okay. I got three. Is that okay? Yeah, I went five, but go ahead. Oh, you went five? Yeah. Okay. My number five is Justin Fields. There I go. Okay. <laughs> Bears. True Chicago guy Bears. you are. I'll go three. Okay. Josh Allen's my third. Okay. Okay. Just statistically, level of play, nine and three Bills. I still think the Bills are going to be here for the Super Bowl, but Josh Allen is my is my third. Uh, as of last week, Patrick Mahomes is now in the two hole, but he's close. It's almost like 1A and 1B, mm-hmm. okay, with Mahomes. Mahomes is still leading the league, passing yards, touchdowns, quarterback rating. If you want to know the numbers, it's 38-08 yards. 30 touchdowns, quarterback rating 78.5. Tops the league in all those okay. categories, and the Chiefs are 9-3. and three. And obviously he's Patrick Mahomes, and we know he's really, really good. <laughs> but Jalen Hurts, Vinny, has taken the lead, in my eyes, temporarily. Temporarily. The Eagles are 11-1, and one, and Hurts decimated a first-place team in the Tennessee Titans this past weekend. Threw for 380 yards, three touchdowns, ran for another in a 35-10 win over a good Titans defense and a good Titans football team. Not only that, Hertz has set the NFL record through 12 games for offensive yards. 3,549 broke the record by another Eagle, Donovan McNabb, back in the day. I was not aware of that fact. That's why I get the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Why are your bucks bigger than mine? I don't know. Um, um, so anyway, now I will say this: in, fair, in fairness to Mahomes and even Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts' stats—they're not—they're not as elevated across the board as Josh Allen. For example, whereas Mahomes leads the league in those three key statistical categories: yards, touchdowns, QB rating. Allen's in the top three in those categories. Hertz is ninth in yards, seventh in touchdowns, fourth in QB rating. Mm-hmm. Not astronomical. But when you talk about setting the NFL record for total offense through 12 games of a season on an 11 and 1 team, Jalen Hurts right now has got a slight, and I mean slight, edge over Patrick Mahomes. And that could change even in week 14. But right now, that's my guy, Jalen Hurts. In the lead, slightly for MVP. Yeah, his numbers, uh, even passing wise, although they're not up to the the status of Patrick Mahomes and who's are at this point, he's thrown for almost three thousand yards, twenty over three touchdown to interception ratio. You add in the rushing ability; uh, he's run for six hundred nine yards and nine touchdowns. To me, when you factor in eleven and one, and then further past the stats and past the win loss record, when you talk about game situation, Jalen Hurts is one of those guys who's going to fight for the extra yard. He's going to put his body on the line. To me, that matters. I have the same top three as you, actually. Josh Allen, third. Stop Patrick Mahomes, second. (laughs) Jalen Hurts, first. The question I have on Mahomes, though, and you kind of alluded to it, but to take it a step further, to me, Patrick Mahomes might be at that point in his career because he's been so transcendent and so excellent since taking over as a starting quarterback of the Chiefs. I think we see this in the NBA a lot. He's just so good all the time that to catch the eyes of MVP voters, he needs to up his stats. We've seen him do this before, yeah. but it's it's so consistently excellent, I think it works against him. It's kind of like you know, the Michael Jordan, LeBron James argument in basketball. They're so good all the time 
that they get penalized by their own consistency. I think that's kind of happening with Patrick Mahomes at this point of his career. Yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. And he's he's just such a joy to watch. I mean, it's almost like, and I agree with that, because you got, I mean, Rodgers has won how many consecutive MVPs? Two. Two, Uh right? And it's almost like, and I'm not saying Rodgers didn't deserve them, but a couple of seasons were played, and it was like almost like what Mahomes was doing in Kansas City was almost, you're right, Vinny, almost like taken for granted, yeah, right? Uh-huh. It's like, oh, yeah, well, you got Matt, Patrick Mahomes. Right, remember, this was funny, and it got me thinking. Sam Acho used to play for the Cardinals, obviously, and I was a talking head on ESPN. Uh-huh. Acho, and I think Stephen A. Smith did the same thing. They listed, like, their top five quarterbacks. Like, it was a bit on the morning show, like, get up. And they both at different times did, like, their top five quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. And both guys at different times, like, didn't list Patrick Mahomes. Like, he was out of their consciousness and didn't they didn't have him on there. <laughs> That might be a fireable offense. I mean, and but that that kind of plays in, like you know, and they both they both were called out on it. But yeah. like that speaks to what you were saying. Like it's almost like he's he's forgotten yeah. there in Middle America. Oh, he's a, he's a given. Let, let, yeah, let's, yeah, he's a given, right? If you had to uh, vote for a non QB, I was exactly going to ask the same question. I had at number five on my list. I had my first non QB, Justin Jefferson from the Vikings. That's a good one. Who does not have the same numbers as Tyreek Hill? But I think the impact's been greater. I will go with that. I mean, the guy leading the league in rushing right now is Josh Jacobs. Obviously, you wouldn't. Not an MVP. You candidate. would not give him the MVP. Or Who would you give, give it to, Jared? Look. Who's your non quarterback? Yeah, it would be either. It depends how good you think Tua is. He wasn't good on Sunday. Because <laughs> Tyreek Hill's numbers are unbelievable they this are. year. And, and everybody Mike, said, like. Boy, is he going to survive without Patrick Mahomes? And he has. And if you think maybe he's more to the success of the Dolphins than Tua, you could give it to him instead of Justin Jefferson. But I he's think a where, freak where Jefferson. that's trending, Tyreek Hill, if he if and he's pacing to break two thousand yards, he become the first receiver ever to break two thousand yards. The numbers are within reach, and if he does that, he's going to get Offensive Player of the Year, which is a cop out, cop out award. Defensive Player, by the way, Nick Bosa. Fourteen and a half sacks for that defense. Yeah, hands down. Yeah. What about a guy like Kelsey? God, I love Kelsey. He's, he's, good. A, he's another guy. This is so, so good. consistently Kelsey good. Grammar, star of, che- of Cheers and Frasier. <laughs> yes, oh, that's I'm who he's listening. talking. <laughs> that's who he's talking about. Uh, by the way, hey Tim Ring, Luca Aho, you fangirling over him makes me want to puke. What? <laughs> what did what? I say? But he's good. Who's that from? Ah, uh, some. Somebody who's right. Somebody somebody on Twitter. Did Lil Wayne tweet you? <laughs> I haven't even unloaded on Luca yet. And his demeanor. I mean, what did I say? That, he, that, on the that court. they got to guard him better and he's a really good player? Sorry, I offend you. <laughs> you attacked me for not liking him. That's what the people are getting you, my back. Yeah, Same you. energy. <laughs> Coming Same up next. Nobody wants to play with Luca. Sarah. He's dumb. Sarah. <laughs> he's a dummy head. He's a stupid man. <laughs> Sarah will take us through the big stories of the day. The Rush Hour reboot is next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings with that guy, Tim Ring, in for Bick today. <laughs> Luca lover. The world's number one Luca Dungeon supporter <laughs> here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. 
very happy Tuesday morning to all of you tuning in to the Rush Hour Reboot. Hi, hello, welcome. Great to have you here. I am Sarah Cazell, taking you through the top stories of the day with Vince Murata. <laughs> oh, brother. With the guy in Dan Bickley's seat. Hi, Tim Ring. You crossed me up there. I know. Keeping you on your toes. Wow. Hi, Tim. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for a reboot, I can tell you I don't have any hot takes. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills that I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. <laughs> you gonna, I forgot we were doing that. Are you going to threaten to kill Sarah? At yeah. The end of that? Wow. He's correct. He is a nightmare for me. Just kidding. Love you, Tim. That was amazing. That was uh, kind of a great that was, uh, Liam Neeson <laughs> slash Batman kind yeah, of combo. Totally. Totally. <laughs> Batman. Totally. I can't and, quite do the voices. Well, that's okay. Uh, and then there's Jarrett Carlin as well. Hi, Jarrett. He had a procedure on his on his on his butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta watch out for those. All right, we're taking you through the top stories of the day, starting with a gut check kind of night for the Phoenix Suns. They lost to the Mavs last night in Dallas, one thirty, one eleven. Luka Doncic went for thirty three points. DeAndre Ayton had twenty. The Mavs hit twenty threes, forty nine percent shooting from three. Um, the Suns had beaten the Mavs in 10 straight regular season matchups. That streak is now over. And after the game, Monty Williams talked about the conundrum you face when you play Luka Doncic. You're caught in between letting him score 40 or letting him do what he did tonight, get 30 and everybody else get corner threes and, and threes at the, the break. He just had a, a really good rhythm. If you give him the same defense over and over again, he figures out a way to, to pick it apart. And they have guys around the floor that can make shots. Monty also said he was proud of how his team continued to fight despite being down 26 at the half. We didn't give in. You know, the guys off the bench came in and and fought. Um, you're going to have nights like that, especially when you compare it to how we shot the ball in San Antonio. You're thinking you're going to have something close to that, but we just didn't have it um, in the first half. And um, then you look at the second half, we actually won. You know, so I was proud of the way we just stayed with it. Um, the competitive edge, the way they responded to the coaching that we gave them pre-San Antonio. That was one of those teaching days that we had to have. They responded. We split the trip. You know, not the way we wanted to, but we split the trip. And uh, we go home and heal and and uh, get ready for the next one. Okay, so which team in the West, guys, do you think is going to end up being the biggest problem for the Suns this season? Because the Suns did, did beat the Mavericks by two in the season opener, but they had to make a huge comeback to beat the Mavericks. And then last night, they obviously were not able to get that done. Do you think the Mavericks are going to be the Suns' biggest challenge in the West? The Warriors, another team? It's so hard to answer that question right now because the Suns haven't seen a lot of the best teams in the West yet. Sure. They haven't seen New Orleans. They haven't seen Memphis. They haven't seen Denver. They haven't seen the Clippers. Or maybe they did play the Clippers once. They did. Uh, They got a road win earlier. Um, But my answer is still Dallas. Because Dallas, I think, has cracked the code on what the Suns like to do, at least. <laughs> We've got a lot of recent proof of that. Uh, it's, appar- it's apparently a bad matchup. Now, I, I do want to see the Suns at full strength against the Mavericks, but they, sure. you know, Monty, Monty knows. I mean, you, you can hear it in his voice there. Like, look, if we if we do this, they do that. If we do this, they do that. Do we let Luka go for 40 and for 50 and try to stop the other guys? Well, they, they've, they've got to they've got to figure that out. Other teams figure it out. You know, it was like the Mavericks were 20 and 5. I mean, right. they were 11 and 11. 
500. I got to figure it out. But Sarah, an answer to your question, Vinny's right. I mean, we got to see the Pelicans. The Grizzlies are no joke. The, the, the Nuggets are pretty good. You know, so there's there's a lot of teams that by the time we get to April, we're going to find out who's going to be the chief rival. Don't even, don't sleep on the Golden State Warriors either. Never. And the way Anthony Davis is playing, look out. I'm telling you. Hold on. Do you hear that? Don't. There's a clock ticking. I know. He's going to get hurt again. Man, Tim Ring loves Luka and the Lakers. No, I don't love the Lakers. I'm just saying if if Anthony Davis... He just loves Anthony Davis. If Anthony Davis stays healthy... He's going to be a problem. Yeah, Anthony yeah, Davis, yeah, yeah. recent wave of, I hate that. of I do high hate. caliber basketball has lifted the Lakers to 13th in the Western Conference. I don't, I don't hate anybody. I really do dislike the Lakers. But when Anthony Davis is healthy, that's a different basketball team. Sure. All right, let's get to the Arizona Cardinals quickly. They are back at it this week. They have the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football next week. Uh, we didn't get to hear from Cliff Kingsbury as we typically do on Mondays, but our Tyler Drake caught up with Kelvin Beecham at his charity event at a school yesterday. Uh, you can read about that charity event, by the way, on our website, ArizonaSports.com. Uh, he points out that the Cardinals, they're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. We're all assuming that they will be eliminated soon. Um, but assuming that the Cardinals do not make the playoffs, the focus now turns to personal improvements and playing for personal pride, says Beecham. Hey, I've never been a part of a season like this. It's been, it's been, a, it's been a roller coaster for sure, uh, emotionally, mentally, physically. Uh, we've had a lot of guys in and out of lineup, so it's been challenging in that regard. Uh, but again, we still have a great opportunity in front of us to, to be successful when it matters the most. You know, you want to be able to win December football. Uh, we have an opportunity to win December football. It goes into January this year, so uh, we have an opportunity to, to still put our best foot forward. And really, it's all about pride at this point. Um, it's not about, uh, you know, I know people don't like to hear that, but it's not about what's on the front of the jersey. It's what's on the back of the jersey. Um, and it's taking pride in what you do, taking pride in your detail, taking pride in your execution. I know Tim Ring loves that. Kelvin Beecham said that. I don't think I've ever heard a player say it's not about the name on the front of the jersey. No, it's about but the he, name on the back. He has a point, though. He's auditioning for other teams right now. Well, that's the thing. A lot of players are. Yes. So other than a Kyler Murray, which Arizona Cardinal has the most to prove? in the final five games of the season. Who most needs to play for the name on the back of the jersey as opposed to the front? Isaiah Simmons. For me, it's hard to move past Kyler at this point, but that's what the question asked me to do. Yes, it is. Simmons is a good answer, I guess. Do you believe it? Do I believe in him? Do you believe that he's actually behind Kyler, the, the next guy I mean, who needs I, who, to make the most improvement? I mean, who, I mean is there anyone else? Three is a highly drafted linebacker who's shown glimpses. He hasn't been consistent. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him finish the season strong. Start figuring out how to cover people. That'd be a good start. That would be good. You know, making plays. Or if he can't cover not people, being a li- not being a li- putting him in that position. Yeah, to cover. not being a liability in coverage. Yeah. I mean, you know, we kind of glossed over that two-point play against the Chargers to win the game. That's awful. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we need to get to break, but quickly, I just want to shout out Zach Ertz. The Cardinals announced this morning that he is the team's Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. Uh, the award recognizes players who are great on the field in addition to the community. He and his wife do a ton, uh, both locally and back in Philadelphia, where he had played most of his career with the Eagles. Um, so he is the team's nominee for the national award that the NFL will give out later on for the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. So congrats to Zach Ertz. Awesome stuff. Well done, Zach yes. Ertz. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, guys. We're all rebooted. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. Coming up next, the transfer portal is open and it's completely out of control. 
I think Tim just entered it. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings. Tim Ring sitting in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Our is to meet with our guys. And uh, contrary to what a lot of people do nowadays, it's not to convince people not to transfer. I want people who want to be Sun Devils. Uh, I want people who wake up every day, they walk into that building, and they go, man, am I lucky. Man, can I wait, not wait to get to work. And that's what I told everybody that walked through that door is, you know what, this is my dream job. I'm going to be here forever, as long, as long as I can. And we're going to do this the right way. We're going to get people in this building who want to be here. And uh, you'd be shocked how many people want to be here and love this place. And it's, it's not a recruiting pitch to keep the guys. It was more a, this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. Get ready. Kenny Dillingham, head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, talking about uh, job one, meeting with players, wants players that want to be Sun Devils. That was from our show on Friday. Kenny Dillingham uh, will be in studio with uh, Burns and Gambo tomorrow for two segments. So that'll be three, that, I believe. Is three, it three segments? Three, yes. Wow. How about them apples? Impressive. You know, I thought that 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 was from Kenny with us on Friday. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting when he said, contrary to popular belief, it's not my job or not really job one to go in and try to keep our guys from entering the portal. And that, that kind of struck me as odd because even Kenny admitted, contrary to popular belief. And I think now that we've seen what's happened is I think Kenny kind of knew who Man, we're going to have some guys and some surprises jumping into the portal. Yeah. We're going to get some guys now, but some names are going to be leaving, and it's going to hurt. And I, I think now now that I saw what happened in the last couple of days, it's almost like Kenny knew that was going to come. So almost like he was bracing Sun Devil Nation for the fact that it's, it's not about me trying to keep guys here because – we're not going to be able to do that, gang. Yeah. Uh, understand that, that there's going to be some guys leaving. Sure, but to the point, um, and and I think Kenny Dillingham thinks about it the right way. Hey, I want guys that want to be Sun Devils. But I think now more than ever, the I really want to be a fill-in-the-blank is a temporary feeling. As a freshman, you might feel that. After your freshman year, if you do something, somebody else might come calling. And it's nice to be wanted. It's a good feeling that a lot of people can relate to in a lot of different walks of life. It's a very temporary feeling right now. So uh, especially, I mean, last year, ASU got decimated by the transfer portal. They had a lot of good players leave. They filled some of those holes. They got a guy like X Validay, who was a, it was probably the, the Sun Devils' best player this year. Um, they're going to deal with it again because they've got a three- you know, coming off a three-win team with a coaching change. Ladarius Henderson, a three-year starter, is in, in the transfer portal. And the numbers yesterday alone uh, on day one, Tim, were, were ridiculous. A thousand players entered the portal. You know, when this thing first started in 2018, 2019, a total of 1,729 players entered. So one day, they almost got to that. The numbers last year, over 3,000 players entered 866 transferred. So the number, 28% actually ended up transferring. Uh, I heard Burns and Gambo talking about this yesterday, too. For all these guys that are entering, there's only still so many scholarship holes. I mean... Oh, a lot of guys enter the portal and don't find a home. Yes. Let's be real clear about that. Yes. Vinny, I don't... 
in theory, I, I have no problem with the idea of the transfer portal. I, I firmly believe that if coaches can leave, kids should be able to leave. If you're unhappy where you're at, if you are unhappy with playing time, if you're unhappy with your situation, if you're unhappy with your coach, if there's a coaching change, I mean, whatever the reason, I, I believe that, it, that, it, that, a, that a young man can make a decision that I'd like to go play my college football someplace else. I'm fine with that. The, the problem is, is that the portal has provided a very easy gateway for bad actors and nefarious programs to tamper with young men to improve their own program, utilizing the carrot at the end of the stick, which is now NIL, to go in through back channels and entice players who otherwise would be happy at their current programs and come in through back channels and say, hey, why don't you come play for us Mm -hmm. because we can offer you this. Just go ahead and enter the portal, and then our coaching staff will be in touch. And the portal has offered a very easy avenue for players to leave program X to join program Y. And I think we've seen this and I don't want to, you know, start calling out people's names, but that, that's the concern you have now with the transfer portal. Now, in some cases, it's, 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 it's great. A, a kid is, you know, not playing and he wants to go someplace else where he can play. That's fine. But in situations, where you may have the, you know, the Bolitnikov winner playing at one school one year, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden another school says, hey, come here and play with us because we can offer you this. And he up and leaves a very good situation where he's playing and he's performing and he's winning national awards. And all of a sudden the next year he's on the other side of the country playing for a different school. And we're, and this is just the beginning of this. We're going to see this time and time again where it's free agency. You know, I, I, I mean, I don't know how you feel about that. The college football's changed and changed forever now where a coach can look at his, his starting 22 after every season and say, Hey, we're a little bit deficient here and a little bit deficient there and tell his network of alumni to through back channels like, let's go get this kid. Let's go get that kid. Like it's true. This 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 offensive lineman Henderson at ASU. Uh-huh. Let's see where he ends up, because if there's a if there's a power five powerhouse that might be in need of an offensive lineman next year, sure they can't tamper directly, but they have a representative quote unquote reach out to his parents and say, hey, you know, we have a need for your boy. At our school next year, we compete for national championships. We can offer him about $800,000 to play next year. If he's interested, have him hop in the portal. And once he does, our coaches will be in touch. And let's see where he ends up next year. That's the the system that we now have in place. Mm -hmm. And whether or not you're for it or against it, that's just the way of the world now in college It just seems it's like it's too much too soon. A lot of these numbers, and I mentioned it, over a 1,000 players entered the portal yesterday. A lot of it is like the the college equivalent now of testing free agency. They go out there, they put their name out there, they kick the tires. Again, 28% of the players that entered last year ended up on new schools. It's a relatively small number compared to the plus 50% the first three years of the portal. Um you know, I, I, locally, Dorian Singer from Arizona, who had a great year for the Wildcats, for an, you know an improving program, he entered his name in the portal. Is the scenario that you just described? We don't know. We That's don't the know, problem. But we also know 
you know, he played for the Wildcats, who beat the Sun Devils two weeks ago in Tucson, is in the portal, and less than two weeks later, he's got an offer from ASU to come play. Is that going to be one of the new byproducts of NIL transfer portal, is that you got guys on both sides of, of the rivalry, and it seems impossible, but I think it's going to happen. I mean, we've got recent examples of alums on both sides. I mean, Bobby Wade was a star-wide receiver at Arizona, was on the ASU coaching staff last year. Um, In women's hoops. Antonio Pierce, U of A player, was a coordinator and a very important figure in ASU football for a couple years. Jade Lavelle just transferred from ASU to U of A. Yeah. Uh, I had forgotten about that one. Vince Amy played at ASU. Right. Then coached at Arizona, now coaching at ASU. I think we're just a matter of time before players like Dorian Singer or the opposite way. ASU players going down to Tucson to play, which seemed unfathomable at one point, but that is the nature of college athletics. Vince Murata, PA announcer for the Arizona Wildcats. Never back. in a million years. And listen, Singer's... I'm not available. Singer's, are, <laughs> Singer's already been offered by ASU, and maybe he ends up playing in Tempe. We don't know. The other side of the coin is, and this goes back to what I was saying, Singer had a hell of a year. Mm-hmm. The other programs are aware of him. Singer may already have a, pl- a deal in place with Oregon or USC for $900,000 a year. That would make more sense. Football than for them next year. Transferring to ASU. Right? So go into the portal, say all the right things. But that deal's already set. Like, he's going to Oregon next year. Yeah, but and the, he's got Nike money waiting for him. Like you said, though, we don't know the specifics there. Does we, Dorian Singer have a great relationship with somebody on ASU's coaching staff from his prep days in the Valley? We, we don't know. He could have a deal in place with Alabama, for all we know. That's that's that, that's He might. That's the problem with now the, the system that's in place. It's great for the players. It's great for some programs. I don't think it's great for the overall health of the sport. That's no, because just my it, no, because if you're a school like U of A or ASU, you're gonna you're, you, you could find a diamond in the rough out of high school who could be a hell of a player, and after one or two years, the mm-hmm. big boys are gonna come take them like Gentry. Yeah, you know, the perfect example. Have you subscribed to the Bickley and Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. Never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Coming up next, recently there's been an attack on Kyler Murray from the outside, but some of his teammates rallying to Kyler's back. We'll get into that and more Cardinals talk next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on this Tuesday. Tim Ring in for Bick here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.